Hello and welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. Today I want to talk about something that is, I would say, uh, certainly not settled in the scientific literature, but it is an intriguing emerging area of evidence where there are converging lines of evidence from three different, um, I guess, areas of study. And that is the notion that stretching and strengthening may be the same thing. So what do I mean by that? Well, ever since I was first learning, you know, Pilates and and fitness, I've thought of stretching and strengthening as being two different physical capacities, flexibility and strength, and also two different modalities of exercise. You know, you stretch to improve your range of motion and you do strength training to increase your strength. And they're just, you can be you know, those two things are just completely separate. Like you can be flexible and strong or flexible and weak. You can be strong and tight or strong and flexible. You know, they're just, they're not, they were mutually kind of, not exclusive, but they were sort of independent in my uh, understanding. And indeed, you know, in some, uh, in a lot of contexts, in the way that we typically strength train and typically stretch, they are different. So if you kind of do a sort of passive stretch a couple of times a week for a couple of minutes, you're not going to get any stronger. (laughs) And if you do sort of like regular uh, resistance work, including Pilates, that is mostly in mid-range or short range, you're not going to get any more flexible. But There are three lines of evidence that are recently emerging, I would say, over the last three or four years, uh, that are now at a point where I'm sitting up and paying attention, and there are are several academics in the strength and exercise science world now paying attention. We have uh, three pretty recent systematic reviews and meta-analyses on uh, various aspects of this topic. So I want to walk you through a brief overview of uh, you know why I think this is such an interesting topic and what I mean by you know, stretching and strengthening may be the same thing. So the first thing that I would like to talk about is that stretching under load increases muscle size and strength. So when we typically think about stretching, we think about, you know, sitting on the floor and doing a passive kind of forward fold and holding that, something like that. Maybe holding a front split or a middle split. Maybe we think about, you know, contract, relax, stretching, you know, pressing into the stretch and then relaxing deeper into it, activating the muscles, then relaxing them. But either way... It's the loads involved in the stretching are pretty low. And in fact, you know, when I used to look at uh, videos of 
uh, you know, 1990s or 80s, sort of Chinese gymnasts being stretched by their coaches. I thought, golly, that's inhumane. Look at that coach standing on that poor kid's back <laughs> whilst they do their middle split <laughs> and applying so much load to that body in that fully stretched position. But it turns out maybe they were onto something because there is now a growing literature showing that stretching under intense load for prolonged periods of time can cause muscles to increase in size and strength as well as length. And so this literature comes, uh, it's actually a couple of decades, it's probably several decades old. Now we have literature all the way back to the 1970s in birds. So we've got literature in birds, we've got literature in rodents, we've got literature in humans more recently. So I'll start with the bird literature. So we get a, a chicken or a quail and we take one wing and we attach a weight to it, like a hundred gram weight to stretch it. Or we put it in a little cardboard sling to stretch it. So we hold it in a stretched position. And they hold it in a stretched position for anything from like an hour a day to up to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they do this for, you know, a few weeks. And then they uh, kill the bird and biopsy it and measure the muscle thickness and length. And what they find is that the muscle in the stretched wing is very much bigger. Like something, a lot of the time they find like a 160% increase in the muscle thickness, like a very big increase, uh, as well as being longer. And so this is a pretty consistent finding in bird studies. But a lot of these studies have very extreme protocols, like, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for a month sort of thing in, in a very intense stretch position. And, but then we've got a very large number of studies. So, um, you know, dozens of studies in this area. Uh, and we also have a bunch of studies in mammals, and they're mostly in rodents like rats or uh, I think some of them also in rabbits, where they have immobilized, usually it is the uh, ankle, so the soleus muscle. So they immobilize the ankle in kind of like an, an orthotic, a boot, which holds it in a dorsiflex position, a stretch position, for anything again from like 15 minutes per day to an hour a day to six hours a day, whatever it might be. And then they repeat that for a number of days or weeks and then they kill the animal and um, measure the muscle thickness. What they find is less consistently, but still fairly consistently, that the muscle thickness has increased quite substantially. And then we also, so there's, you know, there's an imperfect uh, correlation between the, the the bird model and the the mam mammalian model, uh, and so we have some trials in humans now. We have, I think, six trials in humans of intense stretching, uh, 
that measure muscle growth and strength as an outcome. And most of these are in the calf muscles. We've got one now also in the pectoralis muscle. And in these trials on humans, what they typically do is they use an orthotic, like a boot um, on the foot, or a um, strap the, the person into a machine that holds their pecs in a stretch. And they do this for anything from 15 minutes to um, 30 minutes to an hour per session, four days a week, six days a week, seven days a week for a period of usually like six or eight weeks. And there have been mixed results in humans. So what we've what we see in humans is that all of the studies that are have a positive effect, so where muscle growth was substantial in the stretched uh, limb, they had more than thirty minutes per set of the stretching. So they were in the boot or the stretch machine or whatever for thir- for more than 30 minutes at a time. And these, remember, these are very intense stretches. This is not just like stretch to the point of mild discomfort. This is usually they do them to the point of maximum tolerable pain, right? So these people are like, okay, that's enough. So they really, you know, this is an intense stretch and long lasting. And what they find when they hold it for 30 minutes or more that typically we'd see a substantial increase in muscle size. In fact, the the increases in muscle thickness are comparable to the increases in muscle size that you would get from a strength training routine that went for the same duration. So this is not a trivial effect. And when I say it's, it's comparable, it's like they're basically the same. So when you do stretch like uh, any prolonged, intense, stretching, you increase muscle thickness to the same degree as if you do an equivalent amount of strength training for that body part. And what that suggests, now it doesn't prove it, but what it suggests is that intense prolonged stretching and strength training might work through the same mechanism. And that mechanism could be by applying tension to the muscle. So basically by pulling on the muscle hard enough, we can cause the muscle to grow. Now, one way we can pull on the muscle is by holding a weight or a spring or a band in our hand and by using the muscle itself, contraction of the muscle, to generate tension. And the tension stimulates the muscle to grow. Another way that we can apply tension to the muscle is by passively relaxing the muscle in a stretch position and then applying a boot or a strap or something to hold the muscle in that position and apply a strong force pulling it into the stretch, the maximum tolerable force. And that applies passive tension to the muscle. You know, like the muscle's not actively contracting, but there it is being pulled on very hard by the external object, by the boot or the machine or whatever. And so it could be, and, you know, like I said, this is still speculative, but it could be that strength training and intense, long-lasting stretching both cause muscles to grow 
by the same mechanism, which is by applying tension to the muscle. And in fact, we have studies, a couple of studies in animals, where they have denervated animals. So they, they surgically cut the nerve to, say, the soleus muscle in the calf, and then they put it in a boot, and they find that the muscle grows quite substantially, even with the nerve removed. So even though the muscle cannot activate, simply pulling on it hard enough can stimulate it to grow quite substantially. So it may well be that all we're doing when we're strength training is applying tension to a muscle, and all we're doing when we're doing intense stretching is applying tension to the same muscle. And so that's why they produce the same result, because they do the same thing. And if that's the case, well, they basically kind of are the same thing in that respect. But what about the flexibility side of things? So that is that is the strength aspect of training. So intense, long-lasting stretching can increase muscle size and strength to the, basically the same degree that strength training can. Now, this doesn't mean that intense, long-lasting stretching, I think, is like really a viable alternative to strength training because it's like super intense, super painful, super inconvenient to have a boot on your foot for an hour a day, seven days a week, or be strapped into a pec stretching machine 15 minutes a day. You can't even strap yourself in. You have to get someone else to strap you in. It's a $100,000 machine. So it's not really a practical alternative to you know doing a few push-ups, but it's, an, it's a fascinating proof of concept that stretching and strength training might work through the same mechanisms. All right, so that is what's called the stretch-mediated hypertrophy literature. And there is a very uh, good recent review from uh, late 2023 by Constantine uh, Wernicke et al. Uh, and it's called Physiology of Stretch-Mediated Hypertrophy and Strength Increases, a narrative review. Uh, and I will link that in the show notes, and that's published on in August 2023. It's a really good, readable paper. The second uh, line of research I would like to uh, think about here uh, is that are partial reps at long muscle lengths. Right, so in Pilates, we talk about full range of motion. And we think about full range of motion in relation to partial range of motion. You know, so if you're not doing full range of motion, what are you doing? You're doing partial range of motion. And for me, I always assumed when someone said like full range of motion versus partial range of motion, I always assumed that the partial range of motion was the short part of the full range of motion. You know, so like from full flexion to neutral as opposed to all the way into extension. But there's another type of partial range of motion, which is the long part of the full range of motion. So from the fully lengthened position to the mid-range. And we have another recent systematic review and meta-analysis by Milo Wolf et al., which came out also in 2023, 
and it's called full, oh, sorry, partial versus full range of motion resistance training, a systematic review and meta-analysis. And what they looked at was full range of motion training versus partial range of motion training for various outcomes. So they looked at muscle growth, muscle strength, uh, and various other sort of sports-specific outcomes like power and jump height and things like that. We're going to focus on the growth and strength aspect, though, and in particularly the muscle growth aspect, because that's what they found the most data for. They further divided the partial range of motion. This is what's so interesting about this study, is they further divide the partial range of motion into short length partial range, you know, the, the, the short half of the full range, versus long length partial range of motion. They call that lengthened partials. And they were the, you know, from the full lengthened position back into roughly the mid-range. And what they found was that there was a very small benefit to doing full range of motion compared to partial range of motion. When you just looked at, when they just looked at partial range of motion overall versus full range of motion, they found muscle growth was slightly bigger in full range of motion exercises. And when they looked at, but when they looked at splitting out the shortened partials to the lengthened partials and compared them to full range of motion, what they found was full range of motion was better than shortened partials and lengthened partials was better than full range of motion. So doing a half range rep, as long as it's at the long half of the range, in strength training grows your muscles more than doing full range and even more than doing partial range in the short range. So in other words, strength training that emphasizes long muscle lengths. So doing you know, basically half range reps from the fully lengthened position to about the mid, mid range with load so enough load to stimulate muscle growth, you know, so this is, this is not a sort of like a, we're not thinking of like this being a, a stretching protocol per se. We're thinking of it being a strength training protocol, but just emphasizing the lengthened part of the range. That is superior to doing full range and even there's an even bigger superiority to doing a shortened partial now, like I said, this is an emerging area of research. We only have less than you know ten studies on this overall. Uh, you know, results may uh, you know this may change as more results uh, emerge. You know, more studies are done. Um, but it's very interesting to me that stretching the muscle under load, which is what this is, right? So lengthened partial range of motion with in a strength exercise lengthening the muscle, stretching the muscle under load results in greater hypertrophy, muscle growth, compared to just working in mid-range, which is kind of convergent with the intense, long-lasting stretching literature that I talked about a moment ago. It's kind of doing the same thing. It's lengthening the muscle under load you know, at its longest you know, stretched position. So that's interesting. We've got the stretch-mediated hypertrophy literature, and we've got this lengthened partial range of motion for strength training or for hypertrophy training literature. The final line of literature I would like to discuss 
is the effect of resistance training on range of motion. And there was a systematic review from Shahab Alizadeh, I apologize for butchering that name, which came out in early 2023, January 2023, called Resistance Training Induces Improvements in Range of Motion, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. And what they found is that resistance training can improve range of motion to a moderate extent and that improvements in range of motion are not significantly different between resistance training and stretch training. And this, to me, is fascinating in that, well, if we do a resistance exercise through full range under load, well, we're going to increase our range of motion to the same extent as if we held a passive stretch at that end range. To the same extent. Which is, uh, to me, very interesting because when we kind of uh, think about it in the context of these stretch-induced hypertrophy studies and the length and partial resistance training studies that induce greater hypertrophy based on loading the muscle at the stretch position, we could also induce greater flexibility by loading muscle at the stretch position. So if we do, for example, lengthened partial reps, so strength training, you know, loading the muscles at end range, for example, a front split on the reformer, on a light spring, we are very likely maximizing both muscle size, muscle strength, and muscle flexibility. Well, I guess that's not both, it's like all three of muscle size, muscle strength, and muscle flexibility, all at the same time. Which, to me, is marvellous. And like I said at the start, this is a relatively new area of research. When I say new, I mean there's relative, there are relatively few studies in this area. Even though there's a long history of those bird studies going back to the 70s, we've got relatively few human studies and they're only from the last you know decade or so. And really, uh, in the last three or four years, most of these studies have come out. So this may change. You know, we don't know this for sure yet. This is, uh, I would say, preliminary evidence. Uh, watch this space. But uh, all of the evidence that we do have so far points in a, in the direction, in my view, that stretch, stretching and strength training kind of are the same thing if done with load at range, you are stretching and strengthening and it's they're not separate things. 
You're achieving both goals simultaneously. So what's the practical upshot of this? Well, I think emphasizing loading muscles at long muscle lengths is a very promising way of improving the results of both your strengthening and your mobility training in the one exercise. So things like front splits on a light spring, side splits on a light spring, even like a long stretch with your hands on the bar of the reformer, where you let your chest really sink in towards the springs and really flex your shoulders maximally if you have a light spring on so that your pecs and lats and things are working to pull you in, they will be working under load at their maximum lengthened position when you push the carriage out. So exercises like these will most probably maximize not only muscle tone, but also flexibility. Isn't that cool? And if you're on the mat, you know, things you can still do like splits with sliders. You can do push-ups with your hands on blocks so that you get deeper into the range and stretch the chest. And by stretching the chest, not only will you get more range, you'll also get better toning, better strengthening. And I think that's awesome. So, friends, I guess that's where I'm going to leave it. And uh, I've adapted my training based on this research so that it I now emphasize loading at end range wherever possible. So more load at end range, I think, is a good thing. Now you need to build up a tolerance to it like anything else. Start easy, build progressively. But uh, I think it's there's not really a potential much potential downside to this as far as I can see. So I hope you found that interesting. I'll pop the links to those studies in the show notes. Much love, and I'll see you in the next one. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So 
rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.